This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1. This is The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon, a show about sex, relationships, and everything in between. You can start to feel bliss while you're vacuuming. I don't know if I've tried that or not. Do I want to try it? What is it? Very complex, very interesting. Flogging, whipping, caning. So there I was in my high heels and my little dress. So it is purely a stigma. Healthy sexual expression with other humans. I went to the local women's health centre and went, I think I'm a lesbian, is there a support group? They don't know quite how to talk about it. It's actually a core skill in relationships. That has always worked for me. I'm talking today with Dr. Stephanie Azri. She's a clinical sexologist and relationship therapist. And our topic is recovery from an affair. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. The first thing to ask is, is it possible to recover after someone in a relationship's had an affair? It's a very controversial topic for many couples, but yes, it is. Lightheartedly, I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't possible. It still depends on how committed the couple is to their recovery, doing the repair work. So, I mean, we can talk about the steps to a fair recovery, but as long as the couple is willing to work on it and suddenly the person that did the betrayal is willing to do the work to regain the trust and do the emotional repair, absolutely. So there are three steps that we look at in terms of couple therapy. The first one is what we call the atone phase where the couple really takes the time to ask all the questions they might need to, particularly the partner that was betrayed and they might have so many questions. Now I try not to allow the couple to ask the nitty gritty details of who did what because it really doesn't help the recovery but why did it happen and when and there are some questions that are helpful but when we finish that phase it's with the understanding that we actually move on away from the affair so essentially for couples to recover from the affair they have to get to a point where they can let it go which can also feel very controversial for some couples who've gone through it the second stage that i work with clients is around reattachment the couple to reattach on their own away from the affair just reconnecting on a deep and genuine level and finally, third phase of an affair recovery is really what we call the, the attuned phase. And that's that highest level of trust and connectedness. We no longer just barely live together or trust each other. We truly have a deep meaning and connection to our partner. So it's sure that's how I work with affairs. And absolutely, I believe that the work can be done. And there are some research that tells us that 75% of couples with partner had an affair and they chose to stay together, feel stronger post-affair than they did prior to the affair. Not that I'm advocating for affairs, but it just shows that, yes, couples can recover. Does it depend on the circumstances of the affair? Uh, Yes. The short answer, absolutely. It's one thing to have an affair. It's another if there is another layer of betrayal in there. So, for example, if a partner had an affair, but they made fun of their partner or they dismissed the partner or they were mean and rude and you name it, of course it's going to be harder to forgive and forget. If the affair's with your sister or your best friend, of course it's going to be harder to recover. How do you spend Christmas, Christmas dinner table if your husband, boyfriend or girlfriend or wife has had an affair with siblings? In short, of course, there are affairs that most likely won't be recovered from, but that's a minority and hopefully these affairs are not as often. Most affairs don't include these and can be recovered, but there are circumstances that make it harder, yes. And that's when there's a negative connotation or super personal 
big as the partner or it involves people who have to stay in the circle. How do you think couples can build trust again after an affair has happened? It's a very good question. It's not an easy one. The couple has to want it. And I say the couple as in both partners. It's not enough for the partner who was betrayed to want to remain in the relationship. And it's not enough for the partner who has done the betrayal to want things to work out. But the partners have to want it equally. They have to be willing to do the work and that's in body and mind. The partner who was betrayed often will need reassurance. And the partner who did the betrayal needs to be able to reassure that partner if it takes 25 times a day for the first few weeks, that's what it takes. When we talk about rebuilding trust, before trust can happen, we need to be able to do the repair. The partner that did the betrayal needs to be able to have the patience to reassure their partner who may not feel attractive enough or may not feel smart enough or you name it. So it's about patience and kindness and understanding. There's a very famous couple therapist who I love called Esther Perel. And she's made this podcast available to the public, but she talks about trust with her people that she sees. Couples will ask her, how do we gain trust? How do we give trust? How do we rebuild trust? And she talks about the fact that we actually don't. What we do first is we recommit to risk. And that's an extremely powerful concept. The person that's been betrayed cannot trust. They have to be willing to risk it. They could get hurt again, absolutely. But with that risk, comes vulnerability. Only with vulnerability can we start rebuilding trust. It's a very tricky one because we're asking the person that's been betrayed to do all the work and take all the risks. And I know it really sucks, and I'll tell that to my clients as well. It really sucks, but that's the way it goes. The person that did the betrayal just waits for it. They have to do their part. They have to be kind, patient, reassuring. They have to make sure it doesn't happen again and so forth. But the person that's been betrayed, they have to be willing to take the risk. I will take the risk that it may happen again, and yet I'm still willing to try and be there. So extremely, extremely difficult, but risk. Risk is how we regain trust. We need perhaps to be transparent with schedules or perhaps to look at access to phones at the beginning, being open with what's happening and well-being. Like I tell all my clients, after a while, we cannot be these people that check on our partners forever. Danny boils down to risk. It's okay to have a transition time where we don't trust our partners and we check on them and we check their phones. Very quickly it gets old and it makes us feel more paranoid. Risk. Ella, that's the answer. We rebuild trust by risking it, by opening our hearts and being willing to risk it. Mm. And that's for the person that's been betrayed and the, the person that did the betrayal. They have to cherish that risk. They have to value it like nothing else because if, if risk leads to mistrust again, it's really hard to come back from that a second time or a third time around. Oh, absolutely. A real leap of faith that needs to be wow. really held really well with, like you said, a lot of patience and reassurance. You are listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with me, Alice Shannon, a show about sex relationships, and everything in between. Most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec. I'm a woman. Like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and mm. I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. 
pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted to myself. <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind-blowing. all about love and compassion in the end. It's easy to brush it off and say it doesn't matter, it was five years ago or three weeks ago or it didn't mean anything. But for the person that's been betrayed, it meant a lot. So it's all about patience, love and compassion on both ends, making sure that once we've done the first step of the recovery of the affair, that we don't use it in the conversation. It has to live in the past. If it stays in the present forever, we also live in it and that's not very nice. Yes. Why do people have affairs? The $10 million question, really. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of reasons as to why it happens. The reality is some people have poor impulse control. They want it, they're going to go and get it. They don't think of long-term consequences. They just think no one will find out who cares. Other people have values that allow them to. They may not believe in monogamy, which... Again, as a sexologist, polyamory or open relationship is very different to cheating. Cheating is the concept of lying, doing it behind your back, doing it in a way that's dishonest and cheeky and sneaky. That's what an affair is. That's not having multiple partners open-mindedly. Mismatch values is something that's important. Uh, sex addiction, people who have no ability to control their impulses, who may be sexually addicted to the chase, sexually addicted to material that sometimes may lead to situations where they find themselves tempted. Often people who have affairs in the rest of their life have been used and comfortable with lying. And I, and I say this lightly, I know this may come across tough on some people. People who don't lie generally will come forward with it. There's a, a good saying that I like and says that people will find a way to meet their needs one way or another. In the couples that I see that haven't had affairs yet or perhaps may have, and I'm not justifying affairs, please don't get me wrong, but for a lot of people it comes from unmet need. And so the work in preventing affairs or repairing affairs is to be able to communicate your needs. What are my needs? Is it more affection? Is it more compassion? Is it more talking? Is it more helping the house? If our needs are being met and we can communicate these safely, Generally, we tend not to look elsewhere. So it's a whole combination of values, how comfortable we are through lying, how our impulse control is managed. Sex addiction is a big one as well. But also, how are we communicating our needs? How happy are we in our current relationship? It's important for us in the work to remember that assertiveness, communication, and ability to work on things is what's paramount. Because anybody could have an affair... Truly, if we're not very careful, anyone could have an affair. You put two people on a desert island, they will end up sleeping together. So it's about using our frontal cortex and knowing what our values are and what we want. People who are polyamorous or open relationship, that is very different. We are not talking about this here. We are talking about a choice that was made to be faithful to a person, and that can be compromised if our values tell us that it doesn't matter anymore, what's a little white lie, he or she doesn't listen to my needs. It's so easy to justify that. So if somebody is very lax in justifying their behaviours, doesn't matter, I was drunk, doesn't matter, she or he was too X, Y, Z, uh, we are going to be more tempted. Or this person tempted me. This person knew my weakness. It shows a lack of accountability. For these affairs to happen, the planets need to align. The best way to prevent an affair is to be a aware of all these little signs. How comfortable are you with the opposite sex? How comfortable are you sharing 
very intimate photos and so forth. All these little steps may be nothing for one couple and everything for another couple. You are listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with me, Alice Shannon, a show about sex, relationships, and everything in between. Most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec. I'm a woman. Like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted to myself. <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind-blowing. If a couple decides there's been an affair, we want to really give it a go and get back together and make it work, are there things that can get in the way of that? Yes, of course. (laughs) The biggest issue that I've seen in my work with couples, partners that are repeat offenders. So when you have couples who come to me and they might say he or she had six affairs in the last two years, three even, I guarantee you that my work is much harder. The couple will work much harder to repair that if it continues to happen. One affair, you know, as we say, fool me one, shame on me or shame on you, fool me twice and so forth. You know how the saying goes. The reality is if these things happen multiple times, it becomes a way of life. It becomes a lifestyle. And I always question lifestyle versus choices. Somebody chooses that lifestyle, then that is their choice. But be very aware of what that might be. And that might be I'm a polyamorous person or my values are that cheating is okay or lying is okay. So that's the biggest thing that can come in the way and that's a repeat offender. The behavior of the person that did the betrayal is also very important. If that person can show that they're truly sorry, that they truly understand what they did was hurtful and understand their own behavior, I had an affair because I felt X, Y, Z and I wasn't able to communicate my needs. If the partner that did the betrayal is kind and loving and works really hard at ensuring that it doesn't happen again, then the success rate is pretty high. But if it doesn't happen and the person that did the betrayal continues with their negative behavior, it's not going to work. But interestingly enough, it also applies to the person that was betrayed. And I know it's unfair. I get it. The person who was betrayed need to be able to willing and able to move on. If a person is going to hold an affair against their partner forever, the couple is not going to survive. Both parties have to be able to be willing to heal, be willing to do the repair work. And one has to be willing to make sure it doesn't happen again. But the other person has to be willing to let it go, which, again, controversial, but that's just the way it is. No one wants to live in the past forever. It's just not healthy. Absolutely. I think it can be held onto as ammunition for future arguments for a long time. And at some point, you've got to put it behind you to have a healthy relationship. If we're choosing to stay, absolutely. Otherwise, both partners will suffer. Yes. Yeah, I remember a couple in their 70s and they came for counselling around an affair that had happened when they were in their 20s and it was still playing out in their relationship. It shows us that 
time doesn't matter for these people. You think of the time, the pain caused over 60 years, it's really sad. So we really want to address the pain and the grief and the trauma early on. It's even better for them to separate than to remain together hurt and hurting each other. Hopefully with good work, people recover from it and we don't get to that. Staying together, holding the affair as ammunition or as a threat, it goes both ways. Mm. Um, just won't work. It's a risky for disaster. At some point, it's got to be a choice just to say, we've healed this, we're going to put it in the past and not bring it up again. Mm. I was actually talking to a colleague about a couple that I worked with and he had an affair online, which the colleague I was talking to made a good point. And I said, how does this woman know that it's not going to happen again? My colleague looked at me and said, well, how do we know she's not going to cheat on him? And I thought, well, that's true. We actually don't know what the future holds. It boils down to Esther Perel's comment. It's all about risk. Mm. None of us know what the future holds. We take risks every day. And it's whether we're willing to take that risk one more day. One more day, we're going to risk it until the trust is back and the comfort is back and the intimacy is back and that depth of love is back. But at the beginning, it can be all about being unsure and taking that risk. Mm. But that in itself is proof of love. If you can take a risk for somebody, being vulnerable for somebody, and hopefully both partners take this and cherish this seriously, that in itself can be quite powerful. That it's an act of forgiveness or love to really say, okay, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm aware that I'm making it very simple, but it's true. It's hurtful, and if both partners can come together and really do the work, there's some actual research that tells us that 75% of couples feel that they're stronger post-affair than what they were before. That has to come from somewhere. That has to say something. Hmm. Overcoming that adversity together and Mm, getting stronger. You're right. It's not the affair that made them stronger. It's their ability to forgive and be vulnerable and push through the pain for each other. Mm. That's what makes people stronger. Yeah. Stephanie, do you have any final tips for couples who've experienced an affair and want to make their relationship work? If your partner had an affair on you, if you were cheated on, I hate that word, but if you were the person betrayed, be kind to yourself. A lot of people will feel they're going crazy. They can't tell reality versus lies anymore. Am I being paranoid? Is this really happening? Is it not? And that can be extremely traumatic. So be kind to yourself. Take time to recover. If you want to stay with your partner, stay. If you want to take a little bit of space, take space. You need to make sure that your mental health comes first. Be kind to your partner. If you've done the betrayal, you've had the affair, don't be impatient. Don't expect him or her to be completely fine after two weeks. It takes weeks and months and for some people longer. So be kind, be patient, don't throw it in their faces and accept that at times they may act a little bit irrational or impatient or check your phones at midnight, it happens. It won't be forever, it's never forever. But it's all about the rejection, the fear and feeling like what they thought was safe isn't safe anymore. So that can be very traumatic, particularly if they have other history of being cheated on or childhood trauma around rejection and attachment. That can be very, very traumatic. I always say to people, see a professional, go and see a sexologist or a couple therapist. That's what we're here for. There are things that I don't know how to manage as we all do in our lives if it's not our job. Go and see a professional that actually knows what they're doing. It's not as scary as we might think. And if you've done the betrayal, you need to trust that the therapy isn't about bashing you or calling you things or calling you at all. It's really about making you and your partner reconnect. So don't ever, if you've done the betrayal, 
you know, people should still feel comfortable going to therapy. And if you've been betrayed, again, it's not about being sorry or talking about the other partner. It's really purely about reconnecting. So my advice would be, if there are underlying issues that make it traumatic or even harder than it is, go and see a professional. Stephanie, it's been fabulous to talk to you today about affairs. I think it's something that we don't speak that openly about. And yeah, you've given us lots of great information and advice. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. We're feeling juicy the whole day. Every desire I could possibly think of. What sort of impact would it have? They want it, they're going to go and get it. They don't think of long-term consequences. Oh, did that feel really nice? Oh, yes, that felt really delicious. Being able to feel good about my body again, that's been a huge thing. All anybody really wants in this world is to feel seen and heard. We actually do have a lot that connects us physically. It's making people feel good. There is a real sense of hopefulness that returns in a relationship. A really beautiful thing. Take that beauty and that calmness and that bliss and that sense of peace out into the world. Thank you for listening and I hope we've inspired you with our juicy conversations on this episode of The Evolution of Intimacy. If you would like to go deeper, you can book a session of relationship counselling, sex therapy or individual counselling via my website. I work in person in Cairns, tropical far north Queensland or I can meet you online anywhere in the world. Or you might prefer to go at your own pace with my 12-lesson relationship and intimacy online course. To book or to listen to previous episodes, visit my website, ellashannon.com or follow me on the socials at Evolution of Intimacy. Finally, please go to iTunes and write me a quick review if you're feeling kind. Thank you, lovelies, and see you next time. This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1.